Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning and to share it. Something Lord I laid on my heart. I'm just going to open with another word of prayer. Father, we're just so thankful for your presence here. And Lord, we love you and we honor you in this place. And we just pray, Lord, that you would come forth and Lord, that you would quicken this word in our hearts and you would encourage your people. And Lord, that it would fulfill what you desire today, oh God. Be glorified in our midst. Open your word as only you can, we pray. And let the Spirit of the Lord flow in this place, we ask in your name. Amen. Well, this morning I wanted to share something that was quickened to me in our Monday night prayer meeting. And um, I was sharing it with Daniel. And that's when he said, maybe you should share it for Sunday morning in case he wasn't feeling well. So I wanted to share with you, um, it's something we need to understand. If we are to know the character of God, to please him, and to enter into the promises of God. If you can turn with me to Hebrews 11.6, there's actually two scriptures that were quickened to me. We're going to open with one and close with the other, but they're connected. So Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So this verse is telling us that it's impossible to please God without faith in our lives. And I think we understand that because faith is what causes us to be able to do His will and to step beyond our natural capabilities. But it also says that when we come to Him, we must not only believe that He's God, but we also have to believe that He will reward those who diligently seek His face. We must believe both of these aspects and it's so important to not only believe, oh God, you're there, but also to believe that we will receive the things he's promised us, that he will do those things. It's a part of his character. It's who he is. And if we don't believe that, then we don't really know who God is because it's a part of who he is. His name is faithful and true. He is not a man that he should lie. And so... He is a God who is faithful, who rewards those who seek his face. And so we recognize this is a part of his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, that we believe in him, that in everything we go through in life, no matter what God allows to come into our lives, that is for the purpose of him moving in our lives, of him doing something good for us, and in a sense of him rewarding us. And that is broad and... <laughs> You know, you could do a, a sermon itself on the reward. And, and the Lord said to Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. And so the Lord himself is the greatest reward. So our God is a God who rewards his people. You know, I was thinking in the negative, we're going to look mainly at the positive, but this morning I was thinking about the parable of the talents and how the Lord handed out talents. And to the man who he gave one, he he didn't use it. And he said, because you're a hard man. And and it was like the sense he didn't think it was worth it, that he was going to get anything out of it. He didn't know who God was. He didn't understand that he's not only God, but he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek his face. And so we don't obviously want to be like that man. But we see throughout Scripture, and in Hebrews 11 specifically, it's full of examples of those who believed God, that he would reward them, even though they passed through the most difficult of trials. 
And they were fully persuaded that what God had promised, he would do. And if you could turn with me to Hebrews 11 and verse 13, speaking of these men and, and also women of faith, Hebrews eleven thirteen says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. And so we, we see the testimony of, of these men and these women who embraced what God spoke, and they believed it with all of their hearts. I think of Abraham, Noah, Moses, Sarah, Rahab, many others that are listed here, who believed if they sought God, if they obeyed God, that they would receive from him. And they believed that there was a purpose in every trial, and there was a reason for every breaking in our lives. And I wanted to just look at a couple of these examples. One is Abraham, the faith of Abraham. Abraham, our father, was a man of faith, and he understood the promises and the blessing of God. And it's interesting when you think about Abraham's name, and we've shared this before, but Abraham's name meant father. And often in the Jewish culture, a name was more than just uh, a description. It was an essence of, of who someone was. And so for Abraham, when people would meet him, there's this idea, well, you're a father. They understood his name meant father. And I'm sure that must have been difficult for him to have that name and yet to have no children. I remember sometimes when Daniel and I would travel and they would know that Daniel's a pastor and at the time, our church was very small. We had one person. And um, people would say, oh, well, how big is your church? Because they just assume if you're a pastor and you have a church, you have many. Like, oh, we have one. And you could see their face. Oh, you know. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, I, I could understand a little, little bit of maybe what Abraham felt. There's almost a reproach that comes of the expectation that there should be more and there's not. But. Abraham had promises, and we have promises here in our church. We have promises that God's going to do something, and we want to remember those promises. It doesn't matter, you know, what it looks like on the outside. We have promises that are exceedingly precious. And so Abraham had a promise that he was going to bear a son. And this was Abraham's testimony. If you can turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I think sometimes we forget that little phrase. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Abraham believed who God was but he believed that he would reward those who diligently sought his face. He believed that what God had said was true, and he glorified God. And this is one of the keys to giving us a heart that will believe. It's giving glory to God. And here we see Abraham was giving glory before he received the promise. 
He was strong in faith. He wasn't, he didn't have unbelief and he glorified God because he knew it was coming. And we want to be those who praise the Lord. And, and I realize this has kind of been a theme throughout the last uh, year or so. But praising the Lord, even in the fires, Isaiah 24, 15 says, glorify the Lord, even in the fires. You know, so often our soul would tell us many things. And our soul is the worst counselor. Our soul is the worst counselor. Our soul says things like, give up. You're too tired. This is too hard. God is asking too much. You've given so much. Is it really worth it? You've been disappointed before. Why believe and hope again? These are often some of the things that we battle with in our soul. And it causes us not to believe. And this is why it's so important what preserves and keeps our hearts and gives us a tender heart to believe and to have faith is to glorify the Lord. And David said this in Psalm 42, 5, Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And we know this is one practical way is to rejoice. When we believe and rejoice, it causes us to rise above our soul and our emotions. It's a cry of our spirit, Lord, I believe. I believe and I will rejoice in you because you will do what you've promised. And, you know, I was thinking, you can really only rejoice in the Lord if you believe in who He is. You have to believe in who He is, that He is good, that He is faithful, that He's a Father. And, you know, sometimes God can speak a promise, and we have faith for that promise, we hold on to it, but it takes years for it to come to pass. And what holds us during that time? We hope in God. We rejoice in God. We believe in God. We're fully persuaded of Him because of who He is. And so we want to hold on to that. Even Habakkuk says this in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. He says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. That's bleak, very bleak. But what is his response? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. He chose to rejoice and to believe in God. And how could he do this? Let's see in the next verse, verse 19, it says, For the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk upon my high places. He could rejoice because, God, you're my strength. And you're going to cause me to walk upon the high places. You're going to cause me to be lifted up above this trial and to sit in heavenly places. You know, when we have a heart like that, God lifts us up and we see from his perspective. And I tell you, when you see from his perspective, everything changes. Everything changes. And God is so good and faithful when we set our hearts upon him to rejoice like Habakkuk, like David, like Abraham. Oh, it causes us to rise above and to receive from God the strength that we need to endure. I want to consider also Job, the patience of Job. The patience of Job. And Job went, passed through an extremely intense and drawn out trial. But through it, he learned patience. 
And it says that in scripture, the patience of Job. He learned to endure. He learned to endure to the end. And in scripture, in Hebrews 10, 36, it says that we can only obtain promises through patience. Ye have need of patience. <laughs> that after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You have need of patience. And patience is really enduring, enduring through the things that God allows into our lives, the difficult things. In Job's testimony, in the midst of his trial, we can read that in Job 23, verses 8 through 11. Job says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, speaking of God, and backward, but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he does work, but I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand that I can't see him. So he's in a situation where he doesn't feel God's presence. He doesn't see God. The things that he's done to come into the presence of God, it just, it's not working this time. But look at his heart. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I love this portion of scripture because we pass through times where God feels very far away. But Job said, even though I don't see him or hear him, I know he sees me. And he knows what he's doing in my life. And he's doing something good. And when I come out, I'm going to be like gold. I'm going to be purified. I'm going to have the nature of Christ in me. And sometimes we can go through those trials where we don't feel the presence of God. We can feel very alone. But yet we want to rise above and say, God, but you see me. And I trust in you that what you're doing is good. But the thing is with the fiery furnace, the only way the gold comes forth is we have to stay there. We have to stay until the work is done. We have to stay until he sees his image in us. And so there has to be an endurance. And that's another practical way, you know, that we believe in God is that we endure and we stay where God has planted us. We stay until he brings us out. The promises God gives is connected to being in the center of his will. It's connected to being in the place where God wants us to be. We can't leave or get out of our trials or physically leave a place if God's told us to stay because and presume, well, the blessings will follow. We must remain in God's ordained place, even in the fire, because that's the very thing we need to enter into the promise. The very thing that's difficult, the very thing that we want to get out of is exactly what we need for us to come into the promise. And we have to believe that, that there's a purpose in those and to have a heart like Job that recognizes that. The work of fire is necessary. And sometimes we feel the fire, the pressure, the heat, and we feel we are being reduced to ashes. And in, in many ways we are, in many ways we are. But Isaiah tells us something, that that's not the end. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You know, our God is a rewarder through all the seasons of life, and he gives us a divine exchange. For our ashes, he rewards us with beauty. For mourning, he rewards us with joy. For heaviness, for those times of discouragement and pressure, as we pass through them faithfully, trusting in God, 
He rewards us with a new garment, with a fresh anointing, with a garment of praise. And what is the purpose in all of this? Isaiah tells us that we would be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. And so this aspect of enduring and believing that an exchange will come, an exchange will come. We must believe that so that we can endure these times. One other person I wanted to consider is Ruth. Ruth, the perseverance of Ruth. And we know her story from scripture. She was a Moabite who left everything to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, into the land of Israel and to a people and to a people who had a promise. And I'm sure that she felt very insignificant in Israel. In fact, she says as much. She said to Boaz, why are you even taking knowledge of me? Who am I? You know, that was her heart. She really felt, she, I don't think she necessarily cared, but she felt unnoticed and she didn't feel like she needed to be noticed. And, um, you know, she was just trying to be faithful, even though she really had no hope, natural hope of a future. And Naomi told her, I can't give you a future. I can't produce another child. But Ruth still went with her because she knew she was persuaded in her heart of the God that, that Naomi served. And sometimes we can go through trials and feel very alone, even though we're surrounded by people. And there's trials that we go through that are very personal. And it's just between us, us and God. Even if you're married, it can be very personal. And sometimes people just don't see or understand what we're going through. And that's okay because everyone can't understand everything. But God does. God knows. He understands. And we're not alone. And we see that Ruth, even though she might have felt like no one noticed her, someone was watching over her. Someone cared for her. And we see that in Boaz. You know, I remember one time at camp, I was, the kids had been playing a game and, um, and then they finished and they went off somewhere else and it was a bit of a mess. Normally, you know, the kids had fun. It was a mess. So I was like, I'll, I'll just pick this up. I started picking things up and I felt the presence of the Lord come and he said, I see you. I see you. And it really touched my heart because I wasn't expecting it. I didn't, it was just what I was doing, but it did something to me where I realized if he sees me doing this insignificant thing, he sees us in everything we pass through, especially those trials when we're looking to him. And Boaz said this to Ruth in Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given to, given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I think that's so beautiful. That speaks volumes of her relationship with the Lord. She found her shelter, her peace, her comfort under the wings of the mighty God. And Boaz knew that. He knew her testimony. He said, God is going to reward you because of what you have left and because you were willing to trust in him. And we know that the Lord did bless Ruth immensely with a husband, with a child, and to be in the lineage of Christ. You know, it's amazing the reward that she received in earth. And we don't always receive our reward here. You know, as we read in Hebrews 11, many times we won't receive it to eternity. 
But Ruth got to see it and Naomi got to see it. And that is the God we serve. You know, he's, exceed, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above any we, anything we could ask or think. It says that in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Think about that. He's able to do, we can't even imagine. We can't even ask the things that he has in store for us. They're there's so much greater. In fact, there's three Greek words to express this meaning of exceedingly abundant. It's, it's amazing what God has in store for his people who are willing to wait, who are willing to believe, who are willing to rejoice and to put their trust in him. But who will reap the reward? Who will experience God as the rewarder? I want to look at this just for a moment. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Those who receive the reward are those that do not faint. They don't give up. They don't grow weary. And I want to just focus on this just for a moment because there's a warning here of being tired in, in well-doing. Because if we don't meet the, the Lord in that, we can become faint and we let go of the promise. And we want to be careful of that. Sometimes we can be so busy doing everything we need to do that we can begin to forget who God is and the promises that he's given. You know, Esau was a man who had his issues. He wasn't a good man. But in Genesis 25, 29 through 34, which I'm not going to read, but when he comes in from the field working, says two times, he says, I'm faint, I'm faint, I'm faint. And he was so tired that when his brother Jacob offered him some soup, he's like, well, what's the birthright to me? I'm going to die. But sometimes we can feel like that. We can be so tired and so faint that we become loose with the promises of God and we forget. And we don't want to lose the precious things that he's given us. I remember one time I was in Miami and I was um, with a woman and she was she was, uh, we were spending some time fellowshipping together and she was just sharing with me the difficulties she was having with her husband. And she had a difficult marriage and uh, we often talked about her marriage. And, but she was at the point where she just felt like I can't stay in this marriage anymore. I don't know if I can do it. I just, it's too hard. And I was sitting there just listening to her because I could see she was very grieved. She was very upset. The situation was very real and you can't just say whatever to someone in a situation like that. And I was just saying, Lord, what do I say? What do I say to her to encourage her? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, ask her if I've given her a promise. So when she stopped talking, I said, has the Lord given you a promise about your husband? And she stopped. She was looking at the way she stopped and looked at me and she smiled and she said, yes. I said, then don't let go of that promise. You hold on to that promise. And, you know, everything seemed to change from that moment on because all of a sudden she realized, wait, I'm not alone in this. This isn't the end. God's going to do something because he promised. And sometimes when we're so weary, we've been in a situation so long and it's so difficult, we begin to focus on everything that is discouraging, everything that seems impossible. It gets to us. And when we go through long trials like that, especially, you know, this woman who she's, in it day in and day out. 
You know, it's so important. You have to go to the Lord constantly to meet with Him, to keep focused, to keep our hearts strong and encouraged in the Lord. But we can forget and we can lose, let go of those promises. So often, you know, our situations would tell us God is a liar. Our situations could be the opposite of what we expected. But we never, ever want to give up. We want to trust that He is a God who is able to turn the tide and to do what He's promised. And so we want to believe in the Lord and wait upon Him. If God has given you a promise, don't let go. Don't get sidetracked by what you see or what you're going through because God will do it. In Psalm 27, verses 13 through 14, it says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is one of my absolute favorite portion, uh, my, my favorite verses, portions of scripture. But here the psalmist is saying, I would have fainted. I would have given up if I hadn't believed. If I hadn't believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, he believed in who God was and that he was a rewarder. He was going to bring him into a land where there would be life, where there would be resurrection life. And he believed in the resurrection power of God and of new life. And sometimes we can feel like Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones and all we see is impossibility. And the Lord said to Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Really what he was saying is, do you believe? that this can all change? And Ezekiel replied, he said, Lord, only you know. <laughs> only you know. Because it seemed impossible, but yet Ezekiel knew he served in a God who can do the impossible. He said, only you know, Lord. And there were many bones. It says, and they were dry. Actually, it says they were very dry. They were very dry. They were disconnected and spread out in this valley. Sometimes I feel like that's kind of where the church is right now. <laughs> You know, little groups of people waiting on the Lord and feeling so dry and so disconnected. But the Lord said, you shall live. You shall live. And when it was time for the prophetic word to go forth, and he and the Lord didn't speak it. He said to Ezekiel, you speak it. You prophesy it. And when he did that, a miracle happened. And we know the miracle that flesh came and Life came and they came together and became a mighty army. The resurrection power of God came. And the psalmist said, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we want to have the same heart as this psalmist. In verse 14, he is encouraging us, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, we want to, I, I look at this as a key for us in these times where we are discouraged and we almost feel like we want to give up. He's been there. The psalmist has been there and he's saying, wait, just wait, wait on the Lord, encourage your heart. You know, remember what God's done. Remember his promises, rehearse to yourself the goodness of God, what he has done in the past, and surely he will do it again. You know, David would encourage himself. But also the psalmist says two times, wait, wait. You know, don't give up. And Pastor Dan would say, don't give up the ship. And Pastor Riley would say, never, but never, but never give up. You know, wait, wait, wait. It is coming. And, and he closes with this encouragement. 
that the Lord will strengthen your heart. The Lord will strengthen your heart. And that's really what's on my heart right now, that God would strengthen our hearts in these times to hold steady, to endure, to believe, to rejoice, to remember who God is, and that surely he will do what he's promised. In Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. When we cry out to God, he gives us a strength that comes from his presence. He gives us a strength that comes from his holy mountain. And it cannot be touched by the things of this earth. It cannot be touched by our circumstances, by our emotions, by our physical bodies, or by other people. It is a strength that's supernatural, that causes us to rise up and to continue, and to believe, and to endure until he moves, until he does what he's promised. And I believe in my heart that God wants to strengthen your hearts today to continue and to not give up that he would bear you up and preserve you and help you to do what you cannot do on your own. You know, the Lord said that to Peter before, after he died and he was resurrected and spent time with them. And he said, Peter, you know, you've gone and done what you wanted to do. But a day will come when someone else will bear you up and take you where you otherwise couldn't go. And there's times in our lives, and I think we're all in them even now, that we're going through things that we don't want to go through or we know we don't have the strength to, but the Lord's saying, but I can give you a strength that carries you. I can give you a strength that will carry you through. Oh, the everlasting God is here. Have you not known, have you not heard who he is, that he's not weary, that he's strong and he's willing to give his strength to his people and not just physical, but, you, but in your heart, oh, strengthen. He will strengthen your heart. He will strengthen your heart. Wait upon him. Wait upon him. And so we want to believe, like the psalmist in Psalm 27, oh, Lord, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe in who you are. I believe you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek your face. I will wait, Lord. I will rejoice. I will endure. You know, in Revelation twenty-two twelve, 12, it says, Behold, the Lord comes, and his reward is with him. I want to encourage you. The Lord is coming. He's going to move. And we just want to wait. But in this time, you know, I know God wants to strengthen our hearts to continue. So we'll just close in prayer, and then Pastor Jason will come with a closing song. But I'll just pray, you know, that the Lord would strengthen our hearts. Father, we love you. Lord, we believe in who you are. You are faithful and true. You are good. You are our Father. You do all things well. Lord, we believe that what you have promised you will do. We believe that it's worth it. Everything that we've gone through, everything we are going through. Father, we just want to wait upon you. We want to encourage our hearts in the Lord. 
And Lord, we pray, God, even in this moment, as we're waiting up upon you, Lord, would you strengthen our hearts? Lord, I pray that you would send strength out of your holy hill into every open heart, oh God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, for the things they're facing, Lord, you know, you know what each one is facing. Father, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen your people to endure. Lord, that you would lift the discouragement, that you would lift, Lord, even that feeling of just not being able to make it. Father, I pray, God, that you would strengthen and encourage your people. Give fresh hope. Lord, let your people feel your presence and know that you're with them, God. And Lord, that you will carry them through and you will bring them out, oh Lord, into the land of the living, we believe, oh God. Oh Lord Jesus, you will visit us with your resurrection power, we believe. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we just trust in you for all that you've promised us. Lord, and just strengthen your people today, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.